Yo! Welcome to another episode of Invite the Neighbors. This is Brian Porter, aka the father of modern Invite the Neighbors podcasting. Um. Anyways, sorry that uh, to all twelve of you who expect an episode every week. Um, you know, life happens. I've just been busy. Um, and sometimes I'm just lazy, to be honest. Like last week, I was supposed to put on an episode, just didn't, just didn't do it, just lazy. So this episode um, is for last week, and this episode features Catholic guilt from Melbourne, which is how you're supposed. It's not Melbourne. Uh, it's not the Melbourne identity. It's Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. All right, Kiwis down yon to get it right. Anyways, um, I'm allowed to do that accent because. Uh, I'm friends with Catholic guilt now, and they approved my use of the accent. So suck it. Um, don't get don't don't tweet about it. You know what I mean? If you don't like the fact that I just did that, just just you know, I mean, tweet about it if you. Don't, I don't care. What I'm trying to say is I don't care at all, um, because like I said, I have friends that are Australian, dude. Anyways, um, speaking of Twitter, before I get into this episode, um, talking to Benny, and I was thinking of a really cool cathartic segment idea that i might start introducing to the podcast first i might start doing just monologues towards the beginning um just talking about diy just talking about life as a musician in quarantine or just in general um i want to see i'm going to test it out see how you guys like it um if there's an overwhelmingly negative feedback about me just rambling on for 10 minutes at the beginning of the episodes then you know uh, find another podcast. No, I'm just joking. I'll probably stop doing it if people don't want to hear it. But if people respond well to it, if they if they like hearing what I have to say in that regard, then you know I'll just keep doing it. Um, but another thing I wanted to do was anonymous Twitter reactions, which we I don't know if anonymous is the right word, but I had this idea where first of all I think Twitter sucks ass. All right, DIY Twitter, you know, included. And I'm not going to just talk about just Twitter because in terms of the context of this podcast, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. But DI Twitter specifically sucks. Um, And you should be able to say that and because it does. And it's a lot of inconsequential bullshit. And I'm not... But what I'm getting at with the anonymous part is it's not my intention to bash any particular people. I don't think that it sucks because the people are bad. I think it sucks because I don't care about almost anything anyone says on there. Um, and this might sound really mean. Like, I'm really, uh, just full disclaimer, like, this is mostly just humorous. Like, I'm just fucking around. But also, I don't care about a lot of people's random inconsequential thoughts. And so I think a lot of people agree with me that, Twitter is pointless. And, you know, when you're spreading, using it to spread awareness of like important cultural issues, I'm not bashing that. Okay. So let's be clear. I'm talking about you getting on Twitter at 1 a.m. and telling us about your sandwich or the equivalent of such, such a tweet. Okay. I'm talking about the real pointless, like borderline narcissistic that you would even think anyone would care to hear about that, that type of stuff. So, I thought I could go through Twitter and without reading the tweets and without saying who the tweets are from, I could just do my reaction to the tweets. For instance, oh, wow, that that 
that's incredibly stupid. Why, why the hell, why would anyone want to know that? Why would I care that you had that to say? You know, and I could just give reactions like that and Benny could too. And I think that would be like a cathartic way for me to deal with Twitter and hopefully make you guys laugh a little bit and help DIY take itself a little bit less seriously, you know, because tr- the truth is I love everybody that I've met through DIY pretty much. I don't hate anybody I've met through DIY in the music community. And I, what do I do with the ones I love? I make fun of them as I make fun of myself more than anybody. So I think that would be a good way to, you know, get some chuckles. And then maybe you out there in listener land could guess based on my reaction, what tweet I'm reading, you know, cause I'll try to s- tailor it specifically to the tweet without reading the tweet and without reading who it's from because I'm not trying to bash anybody. I'm not trying to make anyone feel bad specifically. I'm trying to make all of Twitter feel bad. (laughs) If you haven't gathered, I'm fucking around at this point. Um, I am. Although I had a real segment idea and I really might do it. Um, Aside from that, you know, quarantine still. I mean, it's not really quarantine anymore, but it, it a lot of you fellow musicians can relate that just not being able to play shows feels like quarantine um you know the fact the fact is the best we can do right now is a live stream which you know like compared to like the energy and sweaty community <laughs> of a live show those live streams are really underwhelming like, I'm not saying that there hasn't been some great performances on them. There has. And, like, some of the videos, like like Tyler's doing, um, the Floyds, you know, they've been doing some uh, Floyds in Austin. You know, Eureka Records. They've been having some really cool live videos out of their studio. I'm not knocking that at all. I'm just saying I miss shows. And, like, till shows come back, I'm still going to feel quarantined in some way. My soul is quarantined still. Um, but other than that, you know, I I'm hanging in there. I hope you guys are, too. Um, but if anybody's really, really feeling down in the dumps and they're feeling really, uh, just discouraged about music as a whole, one, you're not alone. Um, but two, let me offer some optimism. It will be back. Um, I know a lot of people are afraid that we'll never reach normalcy again and, you know, their music careers are over or whatever, you know, because shows are never, shows are going to be back. It will be back. Trust me. I feel it. I feel this, the currents of the universe flowing through me telling you to tell you right now that they will be back. Smile. It's going to be fine. We're going to get through this. I'm half talking to myself right now, even though I'm not going to listen to this because I never listen to my own podcast. Weird. But we're going to get through this and shows are going to come back. Um, I just finished tracking on my record. I have no idea when it's going to be out. Terrified. Terrified. I'm almost... I don't know if you guys can relate with this too, but like finishing that record was so scary because I felt like I I was procrastinating finishing it almost because I didn't want to have to come up with a plan to release it. Now I have to come up with a plan. Like it's in the mixing phases. And once it's done being mixed, now I have to like really figure shit out. And even though it's really exciting and that's what I want, I want to, you know, I want to release records and I want to be a musician for a living. And it's still really overwhelming. It's still really daunting. And I think that's, difficult to explain to someone like I want this more than anything but I'm scared of it and I'm so overwhelmed that it can create periods of inaction where I take zero steps 
towards achieving that goal because it's just so overwhelming, all the things that need to be done and the, the, the thought of failing after trying so hard and got so far. But in the end, it didn't even matter. Like, that fucking sucks. Um, I'm not even going to acknowledge that reference. But anyways, you know, it's tough. And if anybody has any advice for me on how to release the first record or, like, tips, pointers, shoot me a DM um, on Instagram or something uh, at Invite the Neighbors or uh, In a Daydream MI, which is my band. Uh, Benny's in that band, too. Anyways, this episode was awesome. It was really cool. Like um, Catholic Guilt, we talked with their singer, Brenton, and they're from Melbourne, Australia. And we talked a lot about like political similarities between the U.S. and Australia. And then, you know, we talked about obviously the music scene. We nerded out about Closure in Moscow, which is a band from, I think, New Zealand. I can't remember. Maybe Australia. But anyways, Brenton like knew Closure in Moscow personally, which I was just so excited. They're one of my favorite bands ever. They're so awesome. Check out Closure in Moscow. But yeah, this this episode is not just music. We got into a lot of different topics. It was a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, hopefully this little monologue section wasn't, hopefully, you know, you got something out of it. If you really, really hated it and your name isn't uh, Pat Pudesky, shoot me a DM and just let me know that, hey, it's not working, bud. And I'll be like, hey, you know, you're not working, mom. Um, anyways, so here's the episode. Follow us on Instagram. Invite the neighbors. Follow us on Twitter at ITNPod. Share this podcast with your friends. Post about it on social media. Like, subscribe, all that shit. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts slash iTunes. And thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. Here we go. Good. Cool. Uh I'll just edit it out later. But uh, are are you guys? Is it just you or anyone else coming? Uh, it'll just be me. Yeah, uh, everyone okay. is. Uh, everyone's working. I think. Um, <laughs> I, um, I I work from home, so uh, like most people at the moment. But yeah, it's pretty easy yeah. for me to just chat to you. <sighs> yeah. Are you? Uh, so what do you do? Like, what do you do for a living? Uh, freelance journalist and uh, content creator, and I also work uh, for a sustainability company. So Pretty three sweet. different things, like most people living in a major city. Yeah. So sustainability is that like like environmental type sustainability or just I, like yeah 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 environmental sustainability a um an engineering firm um that does uh sustainable solutions for uh. How do I explain this? Uh, for like town planning and stuff. Okay. Yeah, you'll have to. Uh, I already told Benny about this. Like, we're gonna have to like stop, like, refrain from like um, sounding like just like giddy tourists. Like, because I've I've never talked to. I don't think I've really even talked to anybody from Australia, let alone like interviewed them, like a like a fellow musician. <laughs> so like, we're like really excited for this one. If if we ask any stupid like Australia questions, like just forgive us, you know. <laughs> Oh, dude, there's no such thing as a stupid Australia question. I mean, I'm here to be the uh, a real life tourism board. If you want, um, <laughs> I can uh, I can give you the the real talk, not the uh, not the, or I can do the crocodile Dundee thing, whichever one you prefer, really. Yeah, dude, I was like telling Benny, I'm like, maybe we should like it very in the beginning, just like get out, get everything out of our system, like all the crikeys that we just want to get out of our system, just <laughs> just just do it, and then he. Um, 
uh, they were like, no, not happening. So I was like, all right. So I, I mean, I did yell crikey just to let you know, but I, I didn't want to do that during the recording, but now I'm just saying it on the recording. So like everyone knows I did it anyway. So I don't know if like, yeah, I well, I mean, look, this, <laughs> this would be, a, this would be a bizarre way to start a podcast, but I mean, we could, um, I mean, like, is there any, is there any phrases you want to know the meaning of or anything that you've heard, uh, while we're waiting for the dudes? <laughs> Um, you know, not necessarily. Um, I, I mean, I've heard cause I, I've never, I've never been there. Like my girlfriend went to New Zealand once. That's like the closest and I haven't really That's asked very close. any questions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do know that, um, the only like Australian question I want to ask is if you've ever heard one of my favorite bands is closure in Moscow and I'm pretty sure they're either Australian or New Zealand. So I wasn't sure if you've Dude, ever heard of them. Not only are they Australian. They're from my local punk rock scene. Um, oh, really? So, yeah. So uh, I know Chris uh, personally. Oh, that's fucking um, awesome. Yeah. So um, we, uh, my, my my band, like, you know, 10, 11 years ago, the band I was in um, with my mate, Ash. Uh, Ash and I used to play gigs all the time with um, with Chris's uh, first band. They were called Off By Heart. Um, Sick, dude. And... Back then, he was like this dude with a uh, with a with a mohawk, uh, looked very much like he wanted to be in anti flag, um, and uh, but he he had that voice already. You know, it's probably like fifteen years ago. In all honesty, um, yeah. And uh, yeah, so we we sort of stayed in touch throughout that. And then they just sort of sprung up with closure one day, and we were like, "Holy fuck, this is like the best thing." It's we've, insane. We've ever yeah. heard. Barrett Barrett, the guitarist, is a total freak, dude. Yeah. I mean, like First Temple, I remember the first time I heard First Temple, I was just like completely blown away. I was like, this is like just unreal, like just like constant shredding. But it's like not it's not like protest the hero type. It's not super proggy. It's like it's it's got it's catchy. It's like its own thing. You know what I mean? It's not just like Dungeons and Dragons, like crazy, like, you know just wild guitar riffs but that all kind of sound the same you know like it's it's really really unique and, and creative um it, and I'll, they're a very very unique band yeah i'll give you one closure moscow story and then you can tell me if you ever saw this and then i'll start asking you questions about your band i promise cool. but, that's all right <laughs> so the first time i saw closure was in warp tour in detroit and they were playing on like the smallest stage there and it was like, you know, maybe like a year after First Temple was out and the singer, I was so excited to see them. And then like the singer, he said his name is Chris, like in be like he was perfect. The band just killed it. But like in between every song, well, first of all, Chris was wearing like this silver cape, like this like crazy, like silver cape thing. And he had like sparkly face makeup on and like in between every song, he used a vocal changer that like made his voice super deep and like eerie and just dark sounding. And he was just like talking about how he was an alien from outer space. And like, he never <laughs> broke character in between song. And then he would just like, when the song would start, he would just back to normal vocals, just destroying it. And never once like addressed the crowd as like a normal person. It was fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah, that's more or less how they spent the last three years, I think, when they were performing um, before they took their, their hiatus. Um, he did that over here a lot, too. Um, he's a wild, wild human. Uh, 
Yeah, I I can definitely see that. And then Pink Lemonade, like with all like the storyline shit that they did, I think they like embraced that weirdness even more. Which, <laughs> Absolutely. Which man. was which was awesome. Yeah, so I'm glad yeah. that you uh that's so awesome that you know them. Wow. But um anyway, so it's a small place, man. I mean for a city of six million people, it's a small place. Well, yeah, that's what I was gonna kinda ask is like in terms of the uh the music scene there, like I'm I'm wondering like how how one how much u.s influence is there and like what is like the dominant style of music that is kind of you know maybe like in the underground like in like in, in shows that you would play or whatever like what's the most popular uh stuff going on over there uh melbourne specifically is an interesting place in the sense that it's very very hipster um so it it changes its tastes quite uh regularly based on whatever is emerging in the world but uh there is definitely a distinctive australian rock sound that flows through nearly all the different genres uh i would say that a lot of the the vocals are the defining characteristic uh because obviously we have quite distinctive accents um and that, that ties it all together um but in terms of what the most popular kind of music is in the underground it's it's pretty like folk punk influenced rock um so uh we we have a label out here called poison city records um and then we also have milk records which is um courtney barnett's label um and between the two of those things if you would merge the bands together um they're on the labels you more or less have the melbourne sound that's interesting like I, I, you know, I don't really. I mean, I guess when I think about like like geography specific sounds, like I guess there's like the Midwest emo sound in the U.S. Um, and then there's like Southern rock, I guess that has like more of like a twanginess to it. Um, you know, like that, like that ZZ Top kind of stuff. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Oh, welcome, Benny. Benny. Oh, I'm mentioned. I'm Benny, by the way. Sorry, I was having a sig and talking about Dungeons and Dragons with my friend and kind of got a little bit off track. That's all right, man. Uh, hi, what's up? <laughs> so I don't even think I announced this on the recording yet. So your band's called Catholic guilt. I should get that out of the way also. And you're, fr- are you guys are like all from Melbourne? I, I take it. Uh, yeah, uh, a little, a little heads up on the pronunciation. It's Melbourne. Oh, so if you Melbourne. can make, if you can make your body do that, it's Melbourne. It doesn't look like it, but that's how we say it. <laughs> Melbourne, <laughs> Melbourne. <laughs> just skip the R, M E L B U N. That's how I'm going to say it. Just, just Brian over here being like, "So you guys are from Melbourne?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'll uh, I'll keep saying Melbourne for the rest of this. But I, I by the time I go to record the intro to this, which is always like right like the day before I put out the episodes, like I'll probably forget. And the intro is probably going to be be me saying Melbourne, and hopefully not. <laughs> We'll see. That's okay. We're aware. We're aware. That's what it says. It's just not how we say it. And yeah, at least. At this least is why I need to record the intros from now on. Yeah, that'd be great. That'd be great. Half the time, like these quarantine episodes we've been doing, like we did so many in the very beginning of the pandemic that, like, uh, we had a lot of them backlogged since we're only releasing like one or two a week at most. So, like, I'll be going to record the intros for an episode I recorded like three months ago, and like I don't even remember what we talked about. So I'm like trying to record an intro for an episode that like i don't even remember what the content of it is so half the time i'm just like this was a good episode uh yeah i guess we'll find out (laughs) amateurs but 
I know. Amateur and hour. DIY. DIY. <laughs> so, so Brenton, uh, is, is, is there a, um, is there like a DIY type of scene in Australia? Like, is there like house shows, like people booking their own tours and things like that? Uh, there is. Uh, the majority of our scene is based around, there's only really three major cities in Australia. Um, there, there is technically seven capitals, but there's really only three major cities, uh, Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. So they're all on the East coast. Uh, and so people kind of, uh, route their tours uh, based around going through regional cities and regional centers on the way between those cities. Okay. Um, so that's where things like house shows tend to happen. Um, and then in the major cities, they happen in venues. Like you would be familiar yeah. with like dive bars and, uh, and like community halls and what you call VFW halls in the States. Um, oh, okay. That kind of thing. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. But the, as far as like underground house shows, they're not as big of a thing in Australia, but they do exist in, in some of the satellite cities, like places outside of Canberra um, and places outside of the uh, CBD in, um, in some of the other States here in Melbourne. We have a heap of venues. Um, so people tend to pick their sort of 50 cap or 100 cap or 200 cap or whatever suits their band and, and run their shows as if it's a house show, but at a venue. Oh, okay. So, like, what kind of, uh, like, how long has your band been around and, like, what kind of touring experience do you guys have? Uh, so this band, as is currently constructed, uh, has been around for about two and a half years. Um, the lineup we currently have has only been together for a year. Um, and this is by far the lineup that we love the most and we're going to stick with. Um, but our first EP proper came out in 2018. Uh, it was called Hymn Book Volume 1. And we uh, we did a bit of touring around Australia, first of all, as a two-piece, um, just myself and Bryce, who is the other originator of the band. And then we uh, sort of built out our sound a bit uh, with a live, live band uh, and did a little bit more touring. And then we were meant to tour on this record that's just come out. This is what Honesty sounds like. Uh, but obviously COVID hit and kind of ruined our plans. So our touring experiences at the five of us is very limited and we absolutely cannot wait to get out and do it as soon as we can. <laughs> any, um, have you guys ever been overseas to play or do you have any plans of that? In the future? Uh, uh, well, basically we, uh, part of our discussions with, um, with wiretap records when we were we were negotiating signing with them was uh, actually about us getting booked on fest um i started talking to rob about that opportunity and uh we've been booked to play uh fest 19 so that was supposed to be uh, in october at halloween but now it's been postponed until uh next year so we're looking at midway to the end of next year we'll be hitting um overseas as soon as we're allowed to legally leave a three mile radius of our houses we'll be on our way <laughs> Gotcha. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, if you guys have ever, uh, if you book any Detroit shows, hit us up because that's where we're at. We can uh, we can put you up and, you know, we could do like even do an in-person episode or something. Yeah, cool. Um, I mean, it's definitely definitely on the plans, man. Detroit would be on our plans because we very much plan on playing in Toronto and stuff. So uh, it makes complete sense. Yeah, yeah. Detroit is is great for music, too. Um if if for anything you know i'd say music is definitely like one of the strong suits here is a very and just just southeast michigan too where we're at is where detroit is like it's just very um um it's just 
it's very dense with like the amount of venues. I mean, I don't know what it's going to look like. The landscape is going to quite look like post COVID now with all the uh, closures and things like that. I'm sure you, you know, you guys might experience some of the same stuff where you're at, but you know, I think it'll recover to an extent. Like there's always going to be demand for music. I feel like so. Um, but yeah, I was going to ask, I'm like, I like getting myself off on a tangent here. But um, so the the record that you are promoting right now, um, is it like a full length, and is there any like theme behind it at all? Any concepts? Oh uh, no, it's an EP. Um, so it's, okay. it's five tracks. Um, and uh, there is a theme. Uh, basically, it is our whole thing. We describe our sound as being honest music because we we don't really stick to one certain type of punk rock as such. Um, we kind of genre hop around various different uh interpretations of the word punk i suppose um so we dub what we do honest music so uh this what honesty sounds like basically is five very different human emotions or honest representations of human emotions uh showcased in a way that um that uh displays the various different elements of our band um so it's it lyrically it has quite quite a theme but then musically it does as well the um the musical composition matches whatever the story that i'm trying to tell lyrically is uh so it's kind of a, a double theme that works together to create a, a unique sound with think yeah <laughs> so was was that uh record what got like wiretap the your record label interested was that what, what you kind of sent them or was there like talks with them in the works before um, yeah, so uh, basically the single The Awful Truth is what triggered the interest from Wiretap. Um, it was kind of a mutual interest situation um, because I had been looking into how Spanish Love Songs got um, their first record out because I-, I love that band. Um, and uh, Wiretap popped up on my radar and at the same time uh, The Awful Truth was on uh, New Punk Tracks and, uh, and Rob, the label owner, had come across it and uh yeah we kind of exchanged emails and the relationship grew from there he he asked for some more some more demos i sent them over to him and uh, he's just like oh this is release ready let's do it um so we negotiated a deal and out it went awesome yeah so part of this podcast is like benny and i are both musicians ourselves like trying to like you know build a following with you know for our own respective projects and like we have a project together and everything and so part of it is like us asking questions of bands to like help other musicians who are listening like figure out you know how to navigate the landscape and how to like if they're you know trying to get serious with music and like try to make it quote unquote like you know different ways to do that so you mentioned like you really enjoyed how spanish love songs got their record out can you like care to share a little bit more about that and like what um stood out to you and like what that process was uh, the thing that stood out to me about how their career developed is just how quick it was, in a sense. Um, the fact that they went from that uh, that debut on Wiretap and then they made a step up to AF. Um, and then from AF, they made that step up to Pure Noise. Uh, and it happened across that, that three-record narrative. Uh, that really interested me. Um, and... I thought that what Rob did with the first record in terms of building a, a profile for the band was, was quite interesting. They, they came off sounding like a fully formed band immediately. Um, and I know that probably has a little bit to do with the, the age of, of the members and stuff. Um, but 
I just thought that it was handled really well because those are very deeply personal songs. And I felt like when they were putting together the different marketing aspects uh, and and what they wanted to do with it, they, they really connected well with the message of the music while also making it accessible to just a casual listener. Um, how the actual mechanics of how their deal worked, I'm obviously not privy to, but what I can say is I really appreciated what appeared to be a really hands-on approach from Rob um, to break a new band, which is what actually appealed to me about the label. And then also the fact that they do uh, charitable donations um, on their on every record um, appealed oh, to cool. Yeah. So like the label gives a percentage and we give a percentage uh, to uh, artists for change on, on this particular release. Um, but they do that with every release. And that, um, that really appealed to us as a band that's very community focused. Pretty sweet. Yeah. Benny, before, uh, before um, you jumped on, Benton was saying like one of his day jobs worked for a sustainability company and like that, made me wonder too like in the united states like there's definitely there's definitely like a lot of people who care about that stuff and there are like different things that people do um to like promote sustainability and things like that but i think overall it's still like a major problem you know like we're still like very oil-based um energy and like there's just still a ton of pollution like and i was just curious like how how like widespread and like public or you know how like how common is like sustainability like as a country like as a society over there do you feel like it's it's very common or do you feel like it still needs work or it definitely still needs work but it is part of the conversation uh the daily conversation for most people i mean perhaps not right now during the pandemic but yeah you have to remember or maybe you're not aware but uh in at the start of this year uh a third of our country essentially burnt um, right. because of some of them because of a extinction level um, wildfire or bushfire that uh, that took off. And um, so, sustainability measures and uh, particularly climate change and stuff was very much at the forefront of that discussion. Um, and watching the the divide between uh, climate change. Uh, believers i suppose and deniers was a fascinating experience especially considering you were seeing evidence of it um literally happening everywhere around you um like we live we live in melbourne uh and that's uh, quite a um quite a dense uh city uh and it wasn't anywhere near the fires but you couldn't go outside without choking on the smoke it was that thing um and your face it kind of becomes harder to ignore so I think most of the sustainability community was quite keen on making 2020 a big year in that regards. And then obviously the pandemic hit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, we have a beautiful country. So um, and we have a lot of open space and we have a lot of uh, a lot of beautiful. Uh, um, and so we always find ourselves in this constant um, battle between um, mining interests um, and uh, and the the will of the people over here yeah yeah it's always just fascinating because like the only like only place i've ever been overseas was china and that was one of the most polluted places i've ever seen like i you know i'm not trying to dog it too much i'm just these are just speaking from my experience like i would look up i was in beijing and like i would look up the tops of buildings 
like and depending on the day like you either could or couldn't see them and like i thought it was overcast at first i thought it was just like cloudy and then someone pointed out to me like no that's like smog and i was like oh holy shit and like the masks over there like that's what makes me worry because like the masks that you see everyone wearing now for the coronavirus those are like those have been common to wear in china at least in the big cities like for a long time just because of the pollution and like i would hate to see i think that's one of the main reasons like it's just you know sustainability is important like it, you know because a lot of people maybe they don't see how it affects their day-to-day lives you know they just hear about like the ice caps melting and shit but when you go to somewhere someplace where it actually is that polluted like you see like yeah people are already like in their own homes basically like protecting themselves from the damage like we are doing so not, i'm not trying to like get like too like preachy or anything like that but it's a real thing. <laughs> it's just you mentioned the climate change deniers. I'm just like, oh yeah, those people exist, but <laughs> uh, they do exist, man. And the fact that they exist here sort of fries my synapses a bit, if I'm being completely honest. Um, <laughs> because uh, we live on a fucking island, man. Right. <laughs> island that was on fire. <laughs> yeah, we live in an island that was on fire. Just think about that. <laughs> yeah, not a not the best year for Australia, to be honest like on fire and then like global pandemic like that's gotta be yeah, rough dude there's also some um there's also some flooding um and uh but it's all right man like we're, we're very resilient people and you kind of have to be because uh as much as we're connected with the rest of the world now thanks to the wonder of technology uh the reality is that our countries uh a lot of our country's characteristics are defined by our isolation um and that's true more so when you get to places like Western Australia um, or the Northern Territory or something, but it's also true of of the rest of Australia. And I think that's where a lot of the unique characteristics in our music come from, the unique characteristics in our language. Um, but, uh, yeah, just because we are so isolated, to me, it makes more sense for everyone to to pay more attention to what's going on in our backyard, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, no, it makes perfect sense. Uh, you know, it's like you said, because you are an island, and I don't know, like, what kind of like, like the United States. I don't know, probably more than anywhere in the world, like our culture is constantly being changed, and like the makeup, like the demographical makeup of it, is constantly being changed by like all the people like immigrating here to live. And I don't know how much of that is the case in Australia, or if it's just like more. I feel like in certain places, you know, where there's not a lot of like new people coming in there to live, it's it would be more of like a um, you'd have more of like a, a a common identity among the people, and you probably have like more of like a you know, if more people are like born and raised there, I feel like you would care more about you know like the actual land and you you know because it's your home, you know, and it's like it's always been, and like you're not from anywhere. I don't know if that's making sense or not, but I feel like it just kind of speaks to the you know how extra important you know it, that it's, it would seem for a place like that um but yeah i, I want to just so you know this podcast is completely random by the way like it's all just like it's all right, stream, man. stream of consciousness i gathered, I gathered that i just want to i just want to touch on that quickly um so we, I, where we live is actually one of the most multicultural cities in the world wow um so th- so uh we have a heavy um heavy asian population across all all different uh, Asian nations, um, a heavy uh, Italian, Greek, and South American influence, um, and a heavy, um, and obviously a heavy Anglo-Saxon slash British um, 
influence and that and then also we have a unfortunately not a large indigenous population but we do have some indigenous population here as well and that um that creates a really interesting um our food makes no sense <laughs> um our um our, our obsession with coffee is legendary um and that comes courtesy of the italian influence and the turkish influence um okay. but overall it it makes for a really interesting um, experience growing up because you have these two, uh, this very defined kind of British influence um, that comes from the colonialist history of the country, um, but it but it's met with all of these other um, all these other cultural influences, and you end up in what I consider to be a really cool medium between pretty much every dominant culture on earth. Uh, I love it. Um, I love being able to like nip down the street and get a um, get something Greek or like go down the next couple of thing and get some get a buckle of R or like um, you know being able to go out and and know that I'm going to be surrounded by um, by people from many different walks of life or watching like for example if we go to the football over here the footy as we call it the AFL um, I can be <laughs> sitting I can be si- yeah I can be sitting next to like a Chinese family a Thai family a uh, a Kiwi family or a New Zealand family, um, and like uh, like a sixth generation Anglo-Saxon Australian and an Indigenous uh, family, and they can all be watching and and connected by this one uh, sport that no one else in the world is taking it just as seriously as each other and getting along with this separation. You broke up there uh, towards the end, like the last. No, I, I don't. There is. Yeah, I'll just like I'll just insert a, a podcast commercial right there for the last sentence or something. Yeah, I sorry, was gonna, I was rambling. Um, oh no, it's no. I just like we just straight up. It was just like sometimes Discord does that, like where it just like cuts out and it sounds it sounds like a robot basically. Um, <laughs> Nothing that can be Wonderful. done about it, unfortunately. <laughs> but <laughs> you were mentioning just like all the different like cultures being around, and it reminded me of like New York. And I know Benny loves New York, and um, I was just I, one thing I noticed like in these big cities in, in the United States, like there are all those different cultures, but there there's like this uh, um, de facto segregation where like there's like Chinatown where like a lot of the Asian population will like concentrate in certain areas and like different races will like you know either for whatever reason they like develop like these pockets where they're all kind of like in like there's like you know a lot of italians maybe live in like one area a lot of chinese live in one area and so i'm curious like is it kind of like that over there or is everyone kind of just more smushed together uh traditionally speaking uh, during the the first few waves of of widespread immigration, um, I would say that there there was that segregation, um, and there are definitely suburbs that you can identify um, as having, or cities that you can identify as having larger populations of um, of particular ethnicities. Yeah. But uh, but for the most part now, everything's sort of smushed together, and that's that's largely because everybody here tries to live near the city. Um, uh, and so, I mean, it also ties in well with the aim of um, 
or, or the supposed aim of of most of the policies, which is to try and and create one um, one cohesive society. Um, but uh, yeah, like a, a fair a fair bit of it, I think, is more based around housing affordability. Now, um, uh, you'll find that the outer suburbs actually have a fair bit of segregation going on again now because it's the only place that uh, people perhaps in lesser socioeconomic um, categories can afford housing. Um, and so typically speaking, um, uh, you end up with um, with a lot more similar types of people living in those areas um, just because uh, there is still an element of inherent or systemic racism over here. Oh, uh, yeah, that's what, obviously, like, if you've turned on the television or seen anything about what's going on in America, that's obviously, like, a, a giant problem, you know? So, like, I wasn't sure if you guys dealt with a lot. I mean, I know racism exists everywhere. I'm not naive, but I wasn't. It just seems like America, <laughs> it's so bad that, like, I don't know if we're the worst <laughs> in the world. Maybe we are, but I just, you know. You mentioned that I wasn't sure like what it was like, like systemically at the very least, you know what I mean? Like that's, I think that's one of the hallmarks of racism in America is the fact that it is like systemic. It's not just like, it's not just people like in private conversations saying like mean shit. It's like the, the system, like being rigged, you know, against yeah, certain races. Absolutely. Um, I look, we have, we have issues over here, definitely, um, in the same way that uh, pretty much all cultures that uh, the product of colonialism do. Um, and I would say that the, there's been steps taken to try and make it a much better experience overall for people, but there's still, um, I mean, we're a young country in the sense of um, our westernised uh, version of our country anyway. We're only, what, 250-odd years into our existence. Um, but... Uh, they, they, they caused a lot of pain in the first, uh, in the first few hundred years of that. Um, and uh, undoing a lot of that is a very long and arduous process, um, one that needs to happen, but a long and arduous process. Um, and getting some of the politicians on board isn't the easiest thing. Yeah, that's. We could probably go on for hours and hours. <laughs> yeah, from from. <laughs> information i've gleaned from like because my own personal interest is like international relations and like politics in other countries and things like that from what i've gleaned from my research it seems like politics in australia at the federal level are very very strange for lack of a better term yeah we we tend to raffle our prime ministers um we have them we have a new one every six months or so at one stage um, <laughs> raffling them <laughs> yeah it's like who wants to make an attempt at being the prime minister next um oh wow. yeah um but uh there was one period where uh they kept backstabbing each other out of out of position so um the way the political process works over here i don't want to bore the listeners too much but the way the political process works over here is we have a federal and state split so it's a it's federalism it's a it's a, a system um and so we were we operate under the same system as the British, which is the Westminster um, political system version of democracy. Um, yeah, like kind of and, like a parliamentary model. Yeah, parliamentary model. So um, we have a prime minister who's like the the head minister of the whole of the whole country, so the federal government, as you will. Um, and then we have state leaders in each uh, state. Um, so they have different levels of responsibility. 
Um, and so the federal and state governments quite typically fight a lot um, because they can be of two different political backgrounds um, or shit. party yep. obligations. Yep. Um, and basically we always end up in a situation where um, it's almost cyclical. We get a conservative government in. Um, they're called the Liberal Party in Australia, which is hilarious, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um they so we get a conservative government in they try claim themselves to be wonderful economic um, managers um they cut a shit ton of services for the public usually um cut all the things that they want get us into a surplus but ruin the country then um then they elect a, a someone from the labor side they come in they build lots of infrastructure they get the country back in debt but moving forward but then the conservatives come out and say, hey, your poor economic managers, the country's in debt, and we start again. That's basically the process. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I wonder, I wonder what that's like. You know? That just sounds foreign country. That just sounds so weird, you know? Like I can't and, imagine. And, and over here we just have a game show host as our yeah. commander in chief. Yeah, it's like if Game of Thrones was a reality TV show. Sounds yeah. basically, it's just like, yeah. To put it in context for you, how weird it can be at times, and how frustrating it can be. I got on an air, I got an airplane to go to. Oh hey hey hey, um, can you can you start that over real quick? Because like your voice is breaking up again. That's cool. Um, so. One time, I remember distinctly, I got on an airplane to go to um, to go to Queensland, which was like a three-hour flight uh, from my house. Um, and I got on the plane, and we had one prime minister. And I got off the plane, and we had another prime minister. <laughs> and like you didn't know that you were like, it's not like there was an election or something. There was no election. It was just um, there was infighting uh, in the in the party. Um, and uh, wow. And they voted. They voted her out. Unfortunately. Wow, that's wild. <laughs> that's fucking wild. I mean, I feel like each country, you know, I I don't know. I'm not trying to like be overly American right now with what I'm about to say, but like, I feel like a lot of people, myself included, like they look at our government and and like criticize it a lot because it's run like a, a fucking sideshow. And I feel like we get compared to like a lot of other like different countries other times that run better. But then I feel like the more you zoom in on any given country, and I could be completely wrong, but I, I just feel like there's a lot of countries where like you zoom in and it's a folly itself. You know what I mean? Like I, I just feel like there's so many people that not to say that it can't be done better. It can obviously be done better, but like, it's just like, it's un. Like actually creating a government system that that works and satisfies like hundreds of millions of people, like how is that even possible? You dude, know what I mean, dude. UK politics, talk about a fucking sideshow carnival circus. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. So, so to understand how we get to where we are in Australia, I think comparing those two countries that you've just mentioned is the best is the best way of understanding that because those are probably the two predominant influences on Australia. Um, so you have the U.S. Uh, is obviously the monoculture, or at least has been. 
Um, and then you have the UK, which is quite clearly the defining uh, Western influence on Australia because, uh, you know, we, we're a colonial country. Um, and so and if you put the two systems together, uh, you get a pretty good idea of the potential for ours to fall apart. It, it's yeah. like this. It's like the the technical system of the UK with the sideshow carnival of US culture <laughs> and politics. <laughs> exactly. But I must say, like as much as I'm saying this now, I have to say that our quality of life over here is pretty freaking good. At least from um, at least from my perspective, and I know that I can only speak from a from my experiences, and my experiences are going to be distinctly different to the experiences of someone from perhaps a less um, a less fortunate background. Um, For but, sure. Um, but yeah, like our quality of life and our and the functioning of our system seems to be at least better than what is portrayed in the United States. Now, I've been to the US and had a fantastic time every time I've been there. I've never had a negative experience, never met a person that meets the supposed stereotype of an American. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> really want to hear what that is when you're done. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but, I, uh, but I have to say that, like, overall, like, I don't want to sound like I'm whinging because the, the reality is we have a very solid welfare system. Um, we have a very solid... Um, sort of a focus on trying to make sure that everybody exists within the middle class. Um, there's much less wealth disparity in Australia to what there is in, um, in the U S um, but uh, elements of that are creeping into our culture. Um, and it's something that I, I would like people to stay on top of um, particularly with like universal healthcare, for example, um, that's a staple of our, of our system and, and has been for like 30, 40 years. Um, but people have started to try and chip away at that and try to move towards that user pay system. And I don't think that's a good idea, for example. <laughs> yeah. See, like, I I get so frustrated whenever, like, I think about politics. One, because the most frustrating thing about it is that, like, you can't change anyone's mind ever. And because, like, no one, everyone has, like, such staunch opinions well not everyone but like a lot of people do um, and I, I getting into those conversations with people like where they're just like frust so frustratingly on the other side and like i've never been able to change anyone's mind and like i just like avoid it like i'm like admittedly underinformed just because it's so frustrating and it seems like such a sideshow that it's like a deterrent to me so i'm not like as informed or engaged as i could be i mean there's like obvious shit that like i'll you know like black lives matter like that somehow people make that into a political thing which i don't think it's political at all i think it's just like human rights and you know like common decency but so like things like that i'll be open you know like about where i stand and things like that because it's just like, like i said obvious like if you're a good person <laughs> but yeah. other um, other stuff i just like the ins and outs like the actual like actual politics like policy and things like that i leave it to people that like study it or like actually do the research because i just straight up don't i gotta be honest yeah look we are musicians man like <laughs> took the words out like, of my mouth yeah uh we are musicians um i mean i have a degree but it's sure as shit not in politics if you know what i mean <laughs> yeah <laughs> same here buddy <laughs> yeah um same. so i mean it, it's just the fact that i happen to be a punk rocker that probably this stuff piques my interest more than more than yeah. uh, me actually being qualified to speak on it i mean my My 
only real qualification to speak on this shit is I live in this society that I'm talking about. Um, so, uh, <laughs> well, I do you know, there are people I'm gonna be honest, to, like, to be having reading tweets and listening to podcasts has done more to inform my political views than any of the research I've done for my history degree or sociology degree. <laughs> yeah, I listen to like comedy podcasts, like comedy podcasts, like talking about political, like because there's so much fodder for comedy, like in the political landscape that like they'll end up talking about current events. So you end up hearing about what's actually happening, but from people who are just satirizing it and making fun of it openly. So like I, I guess I like I'm informed to an extent on like what goes on but like you know from a comedic perspective and not from a lens of like practical application you know what i mean just listen to chapo trap house buddy that's the only political podcast you'll ever need chapo <laughs> trap house yeah sounds appealing <laughs> but yeah you mentioned benton that like you know you don't want to bore the listeners i will say that the listeners are are all very intelligent if they listen to this podcast they i gotta believe that they're super intelligent and uh because <laughs> it's such a good podcast and also i think you know the people to be realistic the people who would listen are probably as qualified to talk about these things as we are if not less you know um <laughs> so i think we're good i think it, it's rare that we do get this deep into certain things and i think like i told you at the beginning like there's going to be a little bit of like shameless, like, Oh, we're, we're American. You're Australian. Like, what's it like? You know what I mean? So I think yeah. that there is that. And, you know, even cool about like, uh, entertaining us in that way, you know, um, <laughs> That's all right. I can, I can do this for as long as you want, dude, as there's literally nothing I have to do that, that has a time limit. So dope. <laughs> if you have any questions that you still want to field, I'm more than happy to take Brent them. And I um, have a question just, for you. Yeah. And we can talk. Yep. So, are you a fan of The Simpsons? Yes, of course. Is Australia like it is portrayed in the classic episode Bart versus Australia? <laughs> Do you want me to lie for you for the for your own <laughs> mental? <laughs> um, I, I need wellness? to live in I need to live in this mind palace forever. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's just say that that. Uh, it's definitely not representative of the experience in Melbourne. Um, okay. but maybe, Leaving it open. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's representative of the experience of life up the very top end of Australia. Potentially there's some truth in that. <laughs> the, the, the thing that always sticks with me from that episode is Bart and Lisa are in like a bar and some guy comes up and he's like, you call that a knife? This is a knife. And he like holds up a fork and Bart or a spoon. And Bart just goes, That's not a knife, that's a spoon. And the guy's like, Ah, oh, well, I see you've played knifey spoony before. And that's the only idea, the only that is my foundation for my attitudes about Australia and what they're based <laughs> upon, is that one singular scene from The Simpsons. Fuck yes. I might have two Look, degrees, but I will admit I am dumb as fuck. This is the best <laughs> podcast ever. That's awesome. Well, the, the knifey spoony thing, dude, that's a phrase that's in my vernacular. I use it nearly every second or third day. Whenever someone's trying to I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, ah, oh, I see you've played knifey spoony before. 
Um, <laughs> but um, in terms of uh, in terms of its representation of Australia, uh, the thing they got the closest to being right there, I'll tell you the thing they got the closest to being right in that episode, and the thing they got the most wrong, in my opinion. The thing that they got the closest to getting right is the cane toads. <laughs> oh. All right, the, um, <laughs> the frogs. Right? You can lick those and you will get a hallucinogenic high. Oh, that's high. dope. Um, oh, fuck and yeah. also, they are, an introdu- they, are, they are an introduced species that destroyed our country's uh, uh, climate, our um, ecosystem. Um, but uh, the thing they got the most wrong is no one in this fucking country drinks or has ever drunk Fosters. Really? Really? Yeah. That's actually yeah, I mean, really hilarious. Yeah, well, I mean, in the 80s, it was portrayed as the beer that Australia Australians drink, and I think I remember one of my neighbours drinking it in the 80s, but seriously, like, I probably haven't seen a can of Fosters in Australia since probably 1991. Oh, yeah, like, we had all the commercials, like, Australian for beer was, like, the commercial in the 90s here that I remember. That's... Wow. Yeah, no, this, this country is, like, not into Fosters at all. Oh, um, basically... All the beers are, uh, that people drink in this city are either um, we have a version of um, we have a version of a Miller or whatever called Carlton Draft, um, which is actually made. Oh no, it's not made by the same company. Yeah, called Carlton Draft, and then there's like four X in Queensland, so there's those staple beers. Otherwise, everyone's like hooked on craft breweries over here. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah, sounds like yeah. Also, I yeah. just I just honestly love shit like that where it's like. <laughs> countries or cultures being represented or used by something that has very obviously no experience or idea of what that culture actually is like outback, yeah. <laughs> like outback steakhouse in the states dude like <laughs> come on, gang. i'm familiar with outback steakhouse um like i've been there and i've got to say um not accurate <laughs> <laughs> You can't order kangaroo there. Um, yeah, like oh, and oh, even Brian, we, going for low hanging fruit. Come on, yeah, he is I'll going for low hanging fruit. Wallaby. Yeah, yeah. some fried wallaby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Steve, Steve Irwin. Yeah, I, I can do yeah. it too. See, buddy, man. Ah, <laughs> uh, he crikey, crikey. Um, there it is. Also, also, fuck. Fuck Steve, uh, not fuck Steve Irwin in a bad way. Like, I love the guy. He was amazing. Great envir- environmental uh, worker. But also, no Australian has ever said crikey. Okay? Really? <laughs> like, well, they Maybe have. That's just like his like, thing. <laughs> crikey. He was trying to introduce it into the lexicon. Yeah, that just became his thing. But now everyone thinks that we say crikey. So yeah. nearly every time I speak. Yeah, that's it. He was hot talking for the camera. Um, but the whole, the weirdest thing about all of those um, those representations of Australia is that there is an element of truth in all of them to an extent. Um, <laughs> like cargo um, shorts, like, like cargo we do shorts have suits. a bunch. Yeah, and like also just just <laughs> stuff like um just stuff like having bizarre words, like strange slang terms and. And really unusual uh, phrasing and pronunciation of things, and our country's accent is probably the funniest thing um, that we have going for us. Uh, it, Glad you realize basically realize that. Yeah, of course. Like we forget <laughs> about most of our vowels. I don't know why. Um, and uh, we seem to have a uh, an accent that I I would describe the Australian accent as being an Irishman got drunk 
had a fight, then made up with an English person. They had a baby and it was born and was never educated. (laughs) (laughs) You heard it here first, people. This is just personal taste. I feel like South Africa may have you guys beat, but I'm I'm still very much in love with your accent. Oh, look, it's, it's, and like South African accent amazes everyone. Um, they have a similar kind of, uh, of cross-cultural thing going on with their accent too, I think, um, because they've obviously got a Dutch influence on theirs, um, as they do have a, um, an English and German and whatever else. Um, but for, for, for Australians, our favorite accent to pick on or to, to, uh, well, not pick on, I suppose, lovingly banter about uh is definitely the new zealand accent um <laughs> because there's there's so many there's so many kiwis here so uh i've had many I had oh, a lot kiwis, of kiwis that's so cute <laughs> yeah yeah we call them kiwis and they're okay with it too like it's not a it's not a uh, derogatory term at all um they um so i think that their their accent is exceptional um they have a excellent understanding of how to mispronounce the letter e um okay okay <laughs> i see what you're doing <laughs> <laughs> e for I sort of thing. Yeah, uh, so they're kind of similar to South Africa in that regards too. And and where I live here, um, I live in a suburb called Bellaclava here in Melbourne. Um, and uh, around me, I have quite a few, um, quite a few uh, people from New Zealand, uh, quite a few people from South Africa, um, and quite a heavy uh, Russian uh, Orthodox Jewish um, population. Uh, so I get to hear all three of those accents flying around quite regularly. Mixed with Australian. Oh, okay. Well, I, I do want to... Uh, that's just wild. I, I want to like make sure I get a chance to like ask all the music questions, too. So, oh, like, of course. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I, yeah. I, oh, no, no, I'll, no, no. I'll, I'll just tell you on, on, on... Just talk to me some other time, and I'll tell you what to do if you ever want to come out here. This might be my favorite episode. Yeah, no, this is par for the course for this podcast, just so you know. You, you haven't, like taking us off course going off course is kind of the mo and then like there's a point in almost every episode where i say literally just that like okay well i want to make sure i ask all the music questions too because like it's a music podcast but like the goal is to like show the musicians personalities because i feel like most interviews don't do that i feel like most interviews like you know they just they ask like generic questions they don't really get into anything about the people they just you know like i feel like if an artist is like on a promotional tour they might get asked the same questions like a hundred times you know across all these different interviews or whatever so we do like to get um you know seriousness we like to get like the actual artist personalities out to make people interested in them as people and i feel like in order for people to care about your music if they've never heard of your music like they won't they'll want to care about you first and foremost you know um so yeah i was wondering um like growing up what was like some of your musical influences like what kind of got you like interested in playing music in general yeah awesome uh this is a fun question to to answer and i think it probably tells if will give people a bit of insight into me as a person too um i grew up in a household with a teenage brother during the early 90s um so my formative musical influences are very much uh what was happening in the 90s with the the collision course of um of the grunge era uh, emerging um, and the skate punk era emerging um, and also uh, coming off the tail end of the 80s metal scene. So um, my initial exposure to music uh, was predominantly 
um, that that mishmash of sounds. So everything from like obviously Nirvana taking off, um, being one of the first things I can remember, but that being merged with something like Metallica, uh, and then that merging with stuff like The Offspring, then that merging with uh, the Oz Rock, the Australian rock of the time. So stuff like um, Midnight Oil, Cold Chisel. Um, uh and uh bands that most people probably haven't heard of in the united states that are like arena rock properties in australia um so kind of a fusion of those um of those soundscapes was my initial uh foray into music and then i kind of found my own way around like around my formative musical like memories probably kick in around about 1994 1995 so you're looking at um i'm like six or seven years old then and the the offspring smash green days dookie um rancid's and outcome the wolves um and uh and then like silver chairs frog stomp are getting all those records are getting played flat out in my household um and so that's where my musical evolution starts from that point so then i get into like sunny day real estate um and i get into like uh, jimmy world um hell yeah and and then but also at the same time there's this australian influence coming through with stuff like we have punk rock bands out here too obviously we have stuff like uh the hard-ons the meanies friends all wrong um these are bands that i'm getting into at that point in time that's influencing my tastes as well and then metalcore took off huge in australia um in the mid 2000s um and so that uh contributed to my tastes as well what uh, kind of metalcore are we talking here? Like, was wasn't Enter Shikari? Isn't that like a band from like kind of over there? Or are they British uh, or something? No, Enter Shikari are British. I could see why you would think they are Australian though. Um, and uh, but um, Parkway Driver Australian. Um, and that's oh, okay. the band. That, oh, okay, okay. Um, that exploded the scene over here. So we had. So I start playing music in the like in bands and stuff in the mid two thousands, right? Um, and that time period for, for us is uh, the bands that ended up being known overseas. Probably uh, Closure in Moscow got mentioned earlier. Um, they're an example of a band that was kicking around that scene. There was another band called The Getaway Plan. But then that sort of transitioned into that metalcore movement with uh, Parkway Drive, They Art Is Murder, um, uh, In Hearts Wake, um, Who Else Is Big, Northlane. Um, yeah, all these these bands that like play sizable venues and stuff. That came kind of the dominant sound. Um, so what I was doing kind of faded from <laughs> yeah from influence and I started looking I started looking overseas more for for influences. So you I like I fucking love against me, for example. Um uh I love hot water music. Um I I love alkaline trio. Um yeah thrice etc. Like that was kind of uh yeah. pretty influential on me as well. Thrice is dope. Yeah. Ah, a man of taste. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, that that was one of the better answers we've gotten to that question though. It's Yeah, that was, um so that's good. <laughs> that's the, I mean it was long-winded, but the reality is that that's the truth of, of music discovery, isn't it? Like as far, I don't I have no shame in saying that like the first punk band I listened to was probably Nirvana, right? Yeah. Because why would I be ashamed of that? Like everyone has a fucking gateway band. Anyone who says that the first band they listened to was MC five or the Stooges is full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the real, the reality is there's, there's an entry point for everyone. And then you, you educate yourself on where that sound came from. If you're a curious person, um, like, and you know, as far as formative influences go, I'm not going to complain about my three major punk influences being, um, 
Nirvana, the, the offspring when they were good, um, and something like Australia's Friends or Rom, I feel like that's a perfect explanation of the person I end up being. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I love like kind of like hearing, you know, all the different avenues people take to kind of get to not the same place, but you know, there might be like the people in your band even like so i love asking this question when like i have like multiple members of a band in front of me because you know they come together to you know create like this really unique sound but then like the different members of the band might have an entirely different musical upbringing you know what i mean Mm -hmm. so it's always really interesting to hear like the different influences like and seeing and once you know like what each member was influenced by like listening to the band and then like figuring out like oh okay i can see where this person's influence of this band is here and then i can hear this other person's influence over here and like you know that makes it really interesting to me makes honestly it makes listening to whatever band i'm asking questions about a lot more enjoyable because now i'm trying to like pick out all these different things uh, yeah and i i have that yeah. experience too myself when i'm when i'm listening to bands i find that particularly fascinating about about bands as well and i can just answer off the top of my head about the other guys in my band too um the 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 reality is that everyone in my band has a or in our band has a very different uh musical upbringing um bryce and i know each other through being in various bands in the same punk rock scene on uh, an area called the morning to peninsula in melbourne um but bryce is a few years younger than me um and so his influences start around about the year 2000 um uh, outside of the kind of australian uh, omnicultural stuff um his influences kick in around about the year 2000 so his first favorite band was lincoln park for example okay um but uh, and then he gets into punk rock and stuff from there because uh, the sound of rebellion at the point in time when he was coming into being a teenager was new metal right so that was his entry point and then from there he gets into um he gets into sort of uh punkier territory um and we kind of we meet in the middle around about the emo stuff um then the other guys in the band man ben is fucking into reggae and like um he plays in a funk band um and like james james the drummer is english and comes from a metalcore background so he has an entirely different uh musical influence and then dean's fully into musical theater um but also prog rock and 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 different things so we have all these different uh influences that come together but the thing that ties us together as a band overall is punk like the middle ground for all of us is punk gotcha yeah that's that's dope i'm glad that like you know all that about your other bandmates too (laughs) that definitely yeah that was very very well answered thorough very good see like just reminding the listeners that this is in fact a music podcast and we do always make our way back oh dude they're my friends <laughs> man of course i do um, always back to music <laughs> everything um, comes full circle on invite the neighbors yeah well yes everything comes a pennywise album on invite the neighbors <laughs> <laughs> perfect good reference yeah normally Look, i'm man, the one making so- obscure references yeah, society. We all know there's something wrong, and we've known it all along. Sincerity. Um, End it with some dad humor. Is yeah. dad humor a thing in Australia? You guys like say like, oh, oh, absolutely, that was a dad joke? dude. Absolutely, man. We have so many dad jokes, uh, and they're they're very proud of them all. I'm sure. Um, my my own dad had an absolute uh, an absolute killer 
Oh, dad joke. Um, we have a lot of galahs out here. Do you know what a galah is? I have no clue, Benny. I am. That are just what right over my head. Phew. Yeah, cool. All right. So <laughs> a galah, a galah is a bird, right? Um, and uh, we were. We were out on a family trip and there was a bunch of birds in front of us. Uh, and my, my dad turned around to us all and he was like, look out, we're about to ca- cause intergalactic civil war. <laughs> and he oh, has God. dined out. He That's... has dined out on that joke for the last 20 years. So that tells you everything <laughs> you need to know about our country's <laughs> relationship. dined out on it. <laughs> That's great. And like that pause after... The, I think the hallmark of a dad joke is like hearing the punchline, hoping it's not the punchline, like hoping there's more that's supposed to be the punchline. But then you realize like, nope, that's the part that's supposed to be funny. And then it's like, oh, yeah. dad joke. <laughs> yeah. And the funny I'm, thing is we get to have just, our yeah, own versions of this in the band thing. now. Yeah. We get to have our own versions of this in the band now because James just had a kid. Whoa. Oh, oh, yeah, you broke up there. Yeah, uh, James just had a child, so now he'll be able to oh. provide real-life um, dad jokes for us in real time. Wow, that's great. Gotta love it. Start wearing, like, <laughs> white Nike Monarchs, and yeah, that's going to be great. Dude, don't well, rip hey, on the Nike Monarchs. They're comfortable. <laughs> they're a very versatile sneaker. So, they're coming sorry, back. Sorry we I all mean, can't they never left. Jordans and Freak Ones, dude. Hey, dude. Hey. It's not that I can afford it necessarily. It's just that I spend, I spend my money on it. <laughs> but well, I'm gonna. Uh, I have to do a fantasy football draft in like 15 minutes because I'm a nerd, and uh, so I'll wrap it up. But um, and I have if you want to, wanna... I have to go cry over the Celtics winning tonight. Fuck them. Sorry. Aw. I have okay. to I have to cry over the fact that you just spoiled the result of that game for me. Thanks, dickhead. Oh, <laughs> oh I, I didn't mean to. I'm so sorry. That's oh okay. yeah, isn't it? It's it's like oh, I'm canceled. It, like the early morning over there right now, right? Yeah, I was gonna watch it on delay, but it's fine. It's Dude, fine. I'm so sorry. Oh. You're a big you're an NBA fan. Oh, enormously. That was my um, oh. the reason why I. The reason I've I've been into music for my entire life, right? But the reason why I started playing music. Um, so late, like in my, when I was like 16, 17, um, is because my initial dream was to be in the NBA. Um, and I played uh, like, oh uh, yeah, I played like, um, I played like state level, um, basketball when I was a junior. Um, but I got cut at under 16s and I have the kind of brain that's like, well, if I can't be all in, what's the fucking point? Um, yeah. so I, I picked up a, a pair of drumsticks at the time, um, and sort of, launched off from there um and then accidentally became a singer but yeah my first goal was to be in the nba my um my childhood idols um were uh kevin johnson and steve nash because i'm a um a phoenix suns fan oh uh, hell yeah Dick. one last question before i know brian's dying to wrap it up but is ben yep. simmons a household name over there oh absolutely because i know um, steven adams is a big name in uh new zealand but yeah i'm um, Yes, uh, people know who Ben Simmons is. Um, he has an unfair reputation over here as being the guy that won't suit up for the boomers. Um, but oh. he uh, he also he also is a um, a good um, 
He's a very, very well-known uh, player, and uh, he he's a freak athlete, and I can't wait to see what happens when he actually puts it all together on, just, on a court. He just needs um, to develop that shot, and then he's going to be elite. Not that he isn't elite already, but... Absolutely. Uh, yeah, man, I'm, I, I'm always amazed watching him play. Um, he does things that a six foot ten kid shouldn't be able to do. Hell yeah. God, this is the I'm, best episode. This is my guy. favorite episode that we've recorded, I think, Brian. Yeah, this was a, this was a good one. <laughs> you if you ever want to talk to me about basketball, man, I have, I'm like an encyclopedia for Australians that have made the NBA. <laughs> oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> No. Uh, if you Maybe if you not. want some good deep dives on uh, Chris Anstey or uh, Mark Bradkey or um, who else was was kicking around, um, or you want some Ryan Brokoff uh, information about his his role on the Mavericks, or you want to know who let's, um, let's get the Andrew Bogut podcast spinning, dude. You yeah, got this. Or if yeah. you want to know if you want to know what it's like to be rejected by Andrew Bogut in a game, I can tell you because it's happened to me. Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, Brian, cliffhanger. Forward me, uh, forward me the email that you guys have been in correspondence with because we we got some shit yeah, to talk about. I will. <laughs> I will for sure. Um, yeah. Let's just say uh, I'm about five foot six by your uh, understanding of height, um, <laughs> and um, uh, yeah. So I'm like five six, maybe one. 25 pounds maybe so not a very big person right um and uh yeah me on a basketball court is pretty funny came up at the end oh yeah can you hear me now okay yeah i'm glad the yeah. basketball came up at the end be- instead of the beginning because then it would just turn into like an nba podcast which would have made all Benny's dreams come true. I'm sure. I'm a, I'm more of a hockey guy myself. <laughs> I could talk to you about hockey too, but let's not. Um. <laughs> yeah, we'll save it for the next time. But next time you have we'll, like, we'll do a Patreon promote. part two where we'll go into yeah. this. Yeah. Yeah. If I if I uh, yell go Blackhawks, are you going to kill me? No, I mean <laughs> the Hawks. Back when I was a Wings fan, I mean, I still am a Wings fan, but back when the Wings were good, like, you know, I'm, you know, I wrestled one of my college roommates over Blackhawks and having a giant Blackhawks fan in his room. So it's funny you mentioned that. But uh, no, I mean, it's hard to care because the Red Wings suck so bad right now. And like, we, they were good literally my entire childhood. Yep. Like their 25 year playoff streak began the year I was born. So like, you know, I was a huge fan for all the Stanley Cup runs, all four of them. So like, I, you know. I was spoiled. So uh, the down period, I was happy to see the Hawks win, you know, because the Hawks like were like in 2010, like they hadn't won in like 50 years or some shit. So, you know, I like their team. Most of the teams I hate are teams that I actually respect a lot. So it is what it is. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't uh, hate something you don't respect, I guess. Yeah. Like sense. The Pittsburgh Penguins, like I, other Red Wings fans hear me say, I love the Penguins. Like they're like, fuck you. But I'm just like, dude, <laughs> you know, I don't know anyone. I don't even know anyone on the Red Wings. You know, like I, as as a Flyers fan, I must uh, retract myself from this conversation. Oh, dude, yeah, yeah, <laughs> tough, tough outing. Tough, Wonderful. Uh, so, so I've led you on some tangents, but I do believe you were trying to wrap up. So, what do you want? Yeah. What do you want to? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you want to just like say like where people can find your band online and stuff, and like from like just give a little thing about the record coming out, and we'll call it good. Yep. No worries. 
Okay, so the band is called Catholic Guilt. Our EP is called This Is What Honesty Sounds Like. It is out now via all digital services, thanks to our friends over at Wiretap Records. Uh, you can listen to the record right now, as well as the rest of our music, at catholicguiltmusic.com forward slash listen. Sounds like you've said that before. <laughs> if you haven't, very <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> there we go. Uh, yeah, uh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's been it's been fun chatting to people on the other side of the world. It definitely makes my my time in lockdown here uh, more enjoyable. Just for anyone who doesn't know the situation in Australia um, at the moment in Melbourne, I am confined to my house for all but one hour of the day. Um, I can't go for more than three miles of my house uh, at any given time. And the only person I've seen in about three months is my partner. Uh, so wow. it's an interesting experience over here, but one we're going to get through. And everyone in the band is doing well um, physically, mentally, uh, emotionally. And the band is still managing to make things things happen. Um, so we're very thankful to be in the position we're in and by no means want to whinge about the scenario because we understand it could be much worse in other parts oh, yeah. of the world and in other people's lives. Um, yeah. yeah that's good though that sounds like you you know you guys are like maintaining as best as you can given the circumstances which is like all you can really hope for you know exactly yeah you know like likewise we appreciate you coming on and like it's it's you know the pleasure is ours let's say um <laughs> like i said you know if you're if you ever hit the states you know hit us up we we like to do episodes in person in my living room and uh, we'll definitely come out to a show and if you need a place to stay in Detroit, we, we gotcha. And, uh, yeah, next time you make another record or something, just, just get back with us. We'll do this again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Sounds great. Um, and yeah, Detroit's definitely on the list of places to visit. Um, uh, our bass player, Ben is a huge, uh, Stooges fan. So we, um, we definitely want to, want to get a, a look at, uh, at Detroit. There you have it guys that was another episode of invite the neighbors with catholic guilt um thank you for listening if you want to support the podcast you can go to patreon.com slash invite the neighbors throw us a dollar a month or something whatever it all goes towards keeping the podcast online paying the hosting fees um like subscribe rate review we're on spotify itunes google play you know whatever platform you use either follow us subscribe review whatever that platform allows please do it and please share this with your friends or someone that you think would like it post about on social media and give us your feedback dm us on twitter or instagram or whatever um trying to grow this podcast so that the bands who come on have a bigger platform to talk about their stuff anyways um thanks for listening and see you next time i don't really see you but you know what i mean all right bye